Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather here together as a church family and just hear your word. And we pray that you would speak through Mark today, that you'd make um, your words known to him uh, and then to us through him, God, that you would just plant these in our hearts and make us aware of the work that you're doing in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I get the opportunity to invite Mark Hymas up here today. Uh, Mark's somebody I've gotten to know over the last couple years. Uh, he is the one who created Epic Camps, and he walked through them in this merger with Onside Sports. Now we have Epic and Onside, who are the ones who help us run the soccer league, uh, the sports camp that we have in a couple weeks. And I really have learned to appreciate Mark because he is the one, I mean, his title is Coordinator of Partner Engagement and Development. He's really the one who connects with churches, and I love that he just has this heart for the gospel, this heart for what God is doing in each local area. Um, he just wants to support kind of what is already happening here and just let kids hear the gospel. And, and now, over the last couple of years, they've joined, and they're now a part of uh, ministry for Feb International as they seek to share the gospel and, and um, reach kids kind of all over the, the nation, and who knows where else we're going after that. Um, and one of the cool things about Mark is just his... At, at his home, the involvement that he's had in schools. I encourage you after to come up and talk to Mark and just ask him about his involvement that he's been able to have in schools and support kids that way as well. So Mark, I'm going to invite you up uh, here and you get to take, take it from here. Awesome. Thanks, Derek. Uh, it's great to be with you this morning and uh, yeah, just to open God's word together. Uh, before that, I just introduce myself a little bit. I hear a picture of my family, my wife Elizabeth. Uh, and our two kids, Nathan and Delena, uh, they're back home. Um, my daughter's helping uh, with worship this morning, so they had to be back in Belleville. Uh, and so, yeah, just get to journey along in life with them. Nathan just graduated from high school. He's going to Prasago uh, to do a gap year program, and Delena's just going into high school. So I'm going to lock her in her bedroom for the next four years, I think. Um, but yeah, that's my family. As Derek said, created epic, and honestly, I like to say, and it's true, we stumbled into where we are. Uh, started as a, as a ministry very much like, I'd say, what James North is doing, reaching into some specific areas and neighborhoods, and it grew. Some other churches in our neighborhood wanted to be a part of it, and, and our church from there joined with Onside, and it is what it is now. I get the opportunity to work with 40 different, about 40 different churches, helping them reach their community. You know, that's our goal. Our goal is to help other churches engage their community in any way that is, whether that's through sports leagues, STEM programs, PAA programs, uh, different things like that. Um, as Derek said, in Belleville, uh, we're in schools three days a week running programs, uh, food for learning programs, game on. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. Again, I would love to talk to you if you would like to hear more about that, uh, but that's not why I'm here this morning. Um, but for sure, if you'd like to talk more, uh, I'd love, I always love talking about what we do and what God's doing in our, in our ministry. So uh, I'd love to talk about that at that point. As we get started this morning, I want to share a story just to kind of lay the foundation a little bit of what we're doing. It was almost 13 years ago to the day. It was yes, yesterday. It was 13 years ago. I was in Halifax with about 30 high school students. Uh, so we loaded up three 15-passenger vans, drove to Halifax to do a missions trip. We were working downtown, uh, working with homeless people there, doing a lot of ministry, running camps and different things. And one of the neat things that happened was there was a local uh, shoe store uh, that would encourage people who were runners, when they traded in their old shoes, bring in your old shoes, would you give them to us instead of throwing them in the garbage, right? A lot of runners, by the time you finish with your shoes, they still look in good condition, but the, the cushioning may be a little bit, you know, down, but that's great for someone else who may have no shoes at all. 
And so uh, they would pass these shoes on, and then the pastor would pick them up, and then we'd take them out to the community. So we got there, and they loaded literally boxes and boxes of these shoes in the back of our 15 passenger vans. And so then uh, we would drive around the city, uh, and in specific times, we would actually uh, go and find people, but then we might just stop, and we'd be like, hey, there's someone who's got no shoes on. And so uh, three of our students maybe would jump out of the van, they'd run over, they'd talk to them, interact with them a little bit, and then give them a, a pair of shoes. And so this one day we were doing this, and, and we stopped in a parking lot, um, probably in a not-so-nice part of town. Uh, and so uh, we stood there for about, you know, 20 minutes as some of these students were talking with these, a couple of people who were sitting on a bench there. Uh, and, and so gave them some shoes, and we drove away. Uh, what we didn't know is there was someone in, in, in a building close by who saw this and thought a drug deal was going on. And so our three big white passenger vans uh, drove away from there. We drive, we get about five, five minutes away from there, and uh, I see a cop car coming from behind us and some lights on. Next thing I know, there are seven cop cars come screeching in, and this is, I'm not lying, this is not over-exaggeration, like the movies, speeding in, turning sideways, pinning us in at every possible moment in Halifax because they thought we were a bunch of drug dealers who were passing out shoes in this area. And so they come, they're kind of questioning people. It's, it was kind of cool. So they come, they're kind of questioning people and stuff. And so I open the door to open it and this cop literally shoves the door shut on me and tells me to stay inside. I'm like, I'm in charge of this group. He didn't care. He didn't hear what, what I wanted to say. They pulled the drivers out, had them open it up. And they started to laugh a little bit when we started pulling these old shoes out of the back of our vehicle and to find out what was, what was truly going on. But the feeling of not being free in that moment, like the feeling of like being pinned in, of not being able to leave my vehicle, of not being able to express, to, to do anything in that was something I wasn't used to, you know. And, and, and it got me thinking about a lot of us, again, in, in our, our walk with God and, and just our lives in that so often we don't feel free. We don't feel and experience the true freedom that God wants and has for us. And so as we walk through this passage today, this is what I, I really think God wants us to hear and experience and learn and know is that we are free. And that he has this freedom for all of us, freedom from sin, freedom from the, the effects of that, uh, freedom from shame, from guilt, all those things, and that he wants all of us to experience that in a very real way. Not only does he want us to experience it, but he's doing things to help make sure we can experience it, all right? And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We're just going to read a, a couple of, of verses here and then try and dig into them a little bit this morning and really try and see what it is from some of the, the, the things here, some of the words here, um, some of the, the historical context of the time as to what God has for us. So again, uh, Romans chapter 8, we're going to read from verses 12 to 17 together. But just as we do that, let me just pray for us as we dig and look into God's word together this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you uh, for what it means for us. I thank you that it's alive, that it's truth, that it penetrates hearts, that it, God, it was written thousands of years ago, but it's still relevant today, that it still brings truth, it still brings light into our lives. And so, God, I pray that would be true this morning, that as we read this, that, God, it would be what we hear, that it, it would be what penetrates our hearts, Lord, that anything that is contrary to it this morning would be forgotten, but that your truth would rest in our hearts, God, that it would penetrate us, that it would leave us here wanting to live lives for you. And so, uh, Lord, as we move forward this morning, uh, speak to each one of us individually as to where we are. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Let me just read it for us quickly. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit um, you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. No, rather, the Spirit you received uh, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And so again, we just want to look through uh, four things I think God has for us in this passage this morning as to what it means to truly live in freedom, live this freedom that God has for each one of us here today. Uh, The first one, uh, why can we, how can we live free? Well, one of the reasons we can is because we are valued. All of us have a value to Christ. And, and, and I think, unfortunately, in today's society, that's not something that's commonly known and accepted. That unfortunately, uh, in the world that we live in, and whether that's from uh, the effects of the world and, and mental illness, or whether it's just uh, things that other people say, but whatever it is, is that our value and what we truly are often isn't realized, or if it is realized, it's not often lived out and accepted on a continual basis. But we have value. You know, we, in, in some of this, we look at this, in verse 14, it says, for we're led by a spirit, and that, you know, what are, what, do, what are we? We are children of God. So, like, we have value because we are children of God. Just a couple days ago, I was, I was out on a beach and taking some, some pictures of a sunset, and just the amazement that came over me of the colors in the sky and everything and, and the creation, and to then think that the God who created that, the God that makes that happen, says you are his child, you have value. And it goes on to say, you know, whether it's sonship and, you know, over and over again in this passage in multiple places, talk about the fact that we are children of God, that we are part of another family. I was thinking back to this when, when I was growing up, my senior pastor, his, his son and I were best friends and and uh, there was a moment when I was in their house and uh, we had stayed up all night playing video games and he got up and he left for work. And so it was just me. He says, I don't worry about it, just, just stay. It's me in his house. And so I'm there in like just my shorts, no shirt or anything, just standing in his kitchen making grilled cheese as I was making lunch for myself. And it, his dad comes in. And there's this moment for me where I was like, oh no, like this is a little awkward. And he's like, hey Mark. And he just keeps on going like it was normal. I, I was part of another family. I'm still to this day part. Anytime I go near them, go, go, to, that, go to their city, uh, I'm invited to their family dinners and all of this stuff. This is the reality of what it is, is we are part of another family. We may have an earthly family, and those things sometimes are good and sometimes are bad, but no matter what, we have the opportunity to be part of a, another family that is always good, and that's God's family. We are invited as sons and daughters to be a part of that. But it goes even deeper in that to say your value. Your value comes in that you're not slaves, but you are sons or daughters. It actually wants to bring a comparison here and say, uh, you know, it's not just that you're sons, but I pulled you out of what you were in. I don't know how many of you have seen the movie that's out right now, The Sound of Freedom. But it goes in to talk a lot and talks about the slavery that is happening today in our world, specifically in the sex trade. 
And it opens our eyes to the reality that this isn't a, a back then thing, that it's a now thing. But you watch that movie and you realize what slavery is and what it does. And it just breaks your heart seeing what that means to people and what it does to them. And so I look at it, and in this passage says, look at what they're going through, and this is your life without Christ. I've pulled you out of that and made you a son. I've made you a daughter. And we look at this, you know, often we don't like to talk about bad things. We don't like to talk about sin or hell or any of those things. But the reality is, is that the magnitude of how bad hell is, the reality of what sin is in our life, only echoes on the other side how amazing God's grace is. And I look at this thing, same thing here when it talks about slavery and then it goes to the other side and talks about sonship and sons and daughters looking and saying, you know, you were here, this is what you could be living in, but on the far other side, it's this idea that no, you don't have to face that. That's not who you are anymore. It's not your reality anymore. You are my children. I was, uh, as I work in schools, um, I get a we get an opportunity to interact with all kinds of kids. As I said, we're in schools usually three days a week running programs, and so I get a lot of one-on-one one -on -one kids, whether they come up and just talk to me in the hallways as we're doing stuff, or as we run programs, they'll sit beside me if they don't want to participate in what's going on, we'll talk. At one point, this one kid, he came in, and, and we were playing some, some games and stuff, and he ran out of the, the gym. And so I'm like, he ran out of the gym, I better go find him, I probably shouldn't just let him run around the school on his own. And so I, I walk out to find him. I find him sitting on a bench. And so he's sitting on this bench, and, and he's bowing down on an apple. And I, so I'm talking to him, and I said, you know, what's up? And he says, I'm stupid. I said, you're, like, what happened? So I'm trying to dig into the situation. You know, did, is there someone I need to talk to? Is there a kid who just called him that? And this, you know, so I said, you know, you know I, I think I suggested a name of somebody who might have said it. Does <laughs> this person call you stupid? No, he didn't. No, that's not what happened. I said, was there somebody else in the gym that called you stupid? No. Was there somebody in your class earlier today who called you stupid? And I go through all these things. I'm trying to figure out. So I said, who, who, who thinks you're stupid? He says, I think I'm stupid. And he goes on to over and over again, over about five minutes, talk about how worthless he is. And so at that point, I was just reassuring him over and over again, that's not who you are. That's not, that's not how I see you. That's not how the, your teachers see you. Uh, and, and going over and over again, talk about his value and, and what that looks like. Uh, two weeks later, he runs out again, and I go and find him. And he's got his, his shirt around his neck, and he's pulling it tight on his neck. And he went from that to other things and other things. And, and he looks at me, and he says, Mark, just give me something so I can kill myself. This kid is 10. We live in a world where sin has destroyed people and the realization of the value they have and who they are in Christ. That's one reality, and we could go through stories, maybe your story or other people's stories that you know of people who don't truly understand what it means and the opportunity they have to be God's son, God's daughter. But this, this thing goes even deeper in our value, and it's not just the fact that we are sons or daughters, but it's this idea that we are adopted, that we are, we are not even being deserving. We weren't given this for a reason, but we're pulled and chosen to be part of this family. And this idea of adoption means uh, more to us. Uh, I showed you the picture of our kids, and uh, often people don't realize, especially my son, because they, look, he says, they say he looks so much like me. Both of our kids are adopted. 
And I didn't really understand the magnitude of this, I'll be honest. I think as, as growing up, I was a little ignorant to the whole adoption process. Uh, maybe more than ignorant, I was probably on the other side. I probably said things when I was, I know I said things when I was young. I, I told my, and you guys have said this, when my sisters were being awkward or whatever, I'd say, that's okay, they're just adopted. We've always used it in our society, unfortunately, as a negative thing, don't we? Like I think back and I, I somewhat feel bad about the things that I said because now my kids go through those, those things. They hear people say them and then that goes on, on their life. And so it's a negative thing to a lot, but in this sense, it's not. It's, it's not just the fact that this is the family you were birthed into. This is the family that looked and you said, I want you. I, I chose you to be part of my family. Your value is so much to me that I'll pull you out of anything. I'll do anything I can to pull you in and make you my son and make you my daughter. All the debts are gone. This is the thing we realize if you look back into the reality of what adoption was at the time. If you were going to adopt a child in the time when the Bible was written, any debts that their family had, you had to take on. So it wasn't just back then the idea of like, I'm going to take them on and bring them in and the future or what's to come. It was if their family had debts to come, you had to say, I have to take all that on. And so the biblical thing as we look at this, what does that mean for us spiritually? That's exactly what it's looking. Jesus is looking and he's saying, guys, look, everything you've ever done, I'm going to pay for it. It doesn't matter. All that's gone. There is no history of who you are anymore. I'm going to take it all on my shoulders. I'm going to take it all on my back. I'm going to take it all. It's all gone. You don't have to deal with it. You have to think about it anymore. That's the reality of the value you have. Not just this simple thing of you're a son, and we just kind of think, throw that out sometimes. Oh, yeah, I'm a child of God. No, you are chosen, and not just chosen. You're chosen saying, I, I, I want to look and see all the history. I want to see all the debts that you had, and I purposely want to take all those away from you so you never have to deal with them again. We can live free because we are valued. Number two, we can live free because we are loved. Not just value, which can kind of be this, maybe this thing that's not, not, not as deep, but you are deeply loved by God. And again, uh, we talk then, I talk about adoption in the past where it said all the debts they had, uh, they were responsible for. But now, everything going forward, you are liable for. When you adopt someone into your family, everything that happens in their life now, you are liable to take, take care of. Our daughter, when she was born, her, um, her bio mom had uh, what they call amniotic band syndrome, uh, which I had, again, no idea what it was. Basically what it was is the amniotic fluid uh, gets low and it creates elastic bands. Uh, and so often if you see people who have amputations uh, or different things going on, that's what's happened. And so uh, these three fingers were fused together like this, um, but also uh, she has no toes on her right foot. Her, her right foot was facing up towards her when she came out. And so uh, when we decided to uh, adopt her, everything that she was going to have to deal with medically going forward, we knew we were taking on. So we knew everything that she was going to face, the cost of that, whether it's the cost like financially or the emotional cost of that, which is what we're going through a lot of that now as she's a teenager and still dealing with a lot of these things, we would take that on ourselves. And so, again, there's the past, but the love that God shows you is, I, I know you're going to make mistakes. I know that there's going to be things that are going to come up. I know you're going to continue to sin. 
And I'm going to be liable for all of those things that happen. I'm going to forgive you for all those. I'm going to take all those away from you as well. The amazing thing about the love of God is, is that this world may look at us and think that we're not worth it. At least that's what we tell ourselves. Right? Some of you are sitting here right now this morning thinking, I have no value. What are you talking about? Like, have you heard what other people say about me? Have, do you know the things that I think about myself in my head? But in the Father's eyes, in our Heavenly Father's eyes, that is the furthest from the truth. And we've had some hard times over the years where my daughter's had to hear some horrible things that people have said to her. Someone when she was young and kids just didn't know better, and some as she's got older were, unfortunately, no offense, teen girls are horrible at times. And in the light of whatever, you know, we would look and, and we'd say that, yeah, there's, there's things. Like, she, it's not perfect. She, she doesn't have toes. There's, she has partial fingers now, all of this stuff. But here's the thing. In the eyes of her father, she is perfect. In, in my eyes, I wouldn't have it any other way. Some people may say that she has me a little bit wrapped around her finger. I would prefer to say that I'm really enjoying everything I can with her in the days and the years that I have her in my home right now. We can splice words on whether she has me wrapped around her finger or the other, but we'll stay with my story for now because it makes me feel a little better. But this is exactly the reality of what it is for you and how God views you. You may look and go, yeah, but I've done this. Yeah, but I think these things. Yeah, but, and you go on and on, whatever it is that it makes you think that you're not worthy of God or you're, you have no that, whatever. In the eyes of your heavenly father, you are exactly who he created you to be. You don't need to change. He loves you just the way that you are. This love comes in a way that he actually loves us so much that, you know, it talks in here about the idea uh, in, in verse 15 that we can cry out to him, Abba, Father. This very intimate way, this deep, affectionate, personal, and authentic way we can cry out to him. But here's the thing. He loves you so much that it's not that just he enables you to cry out that way. It actually says here that the Holy Spirit is going to help you cry out that way, that he wants you to have that affectionate, emotional connection with him, and that the Holy Spirit is going to continue to work in your hearts, that he, he loves you so much, he's going to do that in your life. And so then when we have emotions in that, just a week and a half ago, I was in London uh, talking with our, one of our staff there for one of our camps that we run, uh, and he was sharing with me, he says, Mark, I just want to talk to you, I got, I got to lead a a kid to Christ last week. And the, the joy, but almost more than joy, the almost tears that were coming to his eyes as he talked about the first time he ever got to lead someone to Christ. Like you could see this, that that was his, his father had helped him, right? This, this emotional connection. And, and so the love not only comes in speaking to us about who we are, but the love also comes in enabling us to then Speak to God about who he is, and the Holy Spirit helps us with that. Number three, so we're, we, we have value, uh, we are loved, uh, we are entrusted. 
Okay, if you look at verse uh, 13, it talks about the idea that uh, you can live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to um, the spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of your body. So the idea of like, we need to put to death, we need to not, not, no longer live the way that we used to. Verse 17 says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. So if he, then we share with his sufferings, but also we share in his glory. So the idea of this idea being entrusted is this thing of like, we're going to start to live like we're part of this family. And again, at the time, there would have been this idea that, and I think this is true, if you're part of a family, you start to live like that family lives. My wife and I uh, were foster parents uh, for many years, and so both our kids were foster kids that we've adopted. And so we've seen and experienced a lot of things. Uh, but we had this, uh, a couple of kids, and one specific kid who... Um, we went into his room one day, uh, and my wife was changing the bed and changing the sheets around. And as she lifted up his pillow, she found just massive amounts of food. And so, uh, you know, if, if what had happened here is uh, for a lot of these kids, they come from homes where uh, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. So they come into our house, and you open up the pantry, and it's like a grocery store to them. And so they, their experience of never knowing where their next meal is going to come from has them them say, okay, whenever they could, they'd grab extra stuff and they'd stuff there because they figured at some point this is going to run out, so I'm going to hoard food here so that I know that in three days I can have some of this in case it's not there. It's just it's stuck in their DNA of who they are. And so I had to talk to this kid and just say to him, like, no offense, but... In our house, you don't have to worry about that. This is not who we are. This is not the way we do things. One, we're not hiding chocolate bars underneath our pillow, all right? And so this idea of as, as you come into our home, you're going to adjust the way that you live. You're going to function in a way differently because you're here. And so there's this idea now that we can live free, but as we live free, we do that entrusted to live out the life that God wants us to live. That we, can, that we can say no to the old things, to, to the things of our flesh and, and sin and live according to what God wants us to live. Martin Luther said this, it's not imitation that makes us sons, it's sonship that makes us imitators. It's the fact that we are declared sons, that we are declared daughters, that then makes us able to then imitate and walk along with who God is. I came to this realization a couple years ago um, after some maybe struggles with my son that um, I can't make our kids be like me. You know, especially with us, I think uh, there's this thing over and over again where so often people say, oh yeah, they're doing that because I can see that in you. Like, Mark, you act like this, Mark, you're whatever. But with no genetic stuff, that's not there. And so uh, my son is great and I love him, but he is definitely not me. Like, the things that I think, the things that I do, he, he's not there. And I had to come to a point, again, probably three years ago, where I decided, you know, I need to stop trying to make him me. I need to stop trying to make him uh, work like I work. I need to stop making him think and analyze things like I think and I analyze things. That I need to let him be who he is and have his own journey. Let him follow through on that. Right? You're not going to be made to be like Christ. You're not going to be made to do this but you have the opportunity to journey through. So just this past week, I was talking with my son and somebody else, and we were actually talking about the fact that pineapple doesn't belong on pizza. Um, 
And so through that conversation, he came to the point of, and he said to the person in the car, yeah, you know what? If you want to be a hymus, you got to love meat. He says, no vegetarians in our home. And it's just this funny thing of the reality of, a funny thing of, of what it means. But this is this thing, as, as you become a child of God, you realize that if I really want to be a child of God, kind of this is the nature of who I am. And that, whether that comes through reading his word, whether it comes through being part of Bible studies, whether it just comes from praying and having God speak to you about interacting with your neighbors, whatever that looks like, there's different things, but you're eventually going to come more and more and imitate what God wants you to be. We have this opportunity just to, we're entrusted with this to, to go and to be. This plays out in different ways. I had a, a little girl, a dad come up with a little girl in our camp and he said, Mark, it was just, I had this cool experience I need to share with you. He said, uh, there was a girl who came and she was sitting with my daughter They became friends at camp, uh, but it came very obvious about halfway through camp that she had never been to church. She actually said after one day, she said, as they're eating lunch to one girl, I, I don't know what the Bible is. And so this nine-year-old girl started answering questions as to what this girl was asking her. And then she got to the point where she didn't know the answers to these things. And so she went home and she asked her dad, hey dad, you know, this girl asked me this, what's the answer? And so now this daughter and father are getting to have these really cool conversations together as they're journeying along together that then she could go back and tell this other girl the answers. And to me, I'm like, that is the perfect picture of what discipleship is. But it's this opportunity for this dad to say, here, like, this is it. This is, let's journey along. This is what it means. And so this daughter's wanting to live it out and the dad's trying to help her through it. We all have that opportunity. Lastly, we have assurance. We have, we, have an, we have a guarantee. We can live free because there's an assurance, there's, there's a guarantee, and, and this really takes all those other things and it magnifies or builds onto them. Like our value is even bigger when you're guaranteed that that value is never, ever gonna go away. Right? That love that, ha- that, that is, the fact that you are loved, sorry, is bigger when you know that that's never, ever gonna change. Because in our world, so many people love us conditionally. They come in and out. They may love you some days better than they love you others. Where for God, that doesn't happen. We have this assurance that it's always going to be there. Right? When we are brought into God's family, we're a new creation. The old is gone. The reality of adoption that plays out, and it played at that time, and it plays out now, is that your old life literally is gone. So our kids were born, they had a birth certificate. Once they become adopted, do you know what happens to that birth certificate? It's gone. It actually, they go back, and our son, so Nathan, my son Nathan, Nathan is now Nathan Mark Hymas from the day he was born. Those years before he became a Hymas, they don't exist as far as him not being a Hymas. They go back and the government declares him a Hymas from the day he was born. My daughter, Delena, same thing. She moved into our house when she was three days old. She lived with us for a while. She had a different last name. Her new birth certificate came. They say it's like that one doesn't exist. And if you look back, they only believe that she was ever a hymus. Everything before then is forgotten. It's gone. 
You have that assurance, and again, going forward. And so for us, it's the same thing. When you become a child of God, they look and say, you know what? You've always been my son. You've always been my daughter. These guarantees that, that come along with it. I asked my son once, just flat out, I said, Nathan, what does adoption mean to you? He said three words. Adoption is security. It's security. It's, it's no longer wondering what's going to happen. It's no longer wondering out there. Adoption is, is I know forever this is my family. I know forever who's going to provide for me. I know forever who's going to love me. And that's the reality, the assurance that we have, the security that every single one of us can have if we don't know that yet is we have this security because God has called us his son and his daughter. That, that assurance, that security comes in something that it, it embraces who we are. Chloe got baptized today. You know, in a lot of places outside of Canada, baptism is viewed a lot differently than it is here. We celebrate it, and it's a great thing. But I had, I had a, a pastor in India tell me uh, that they had, one had, once had a, a guy who came, he was a teenager, accepted Christ as a teenager, I had a Hindu family. They were okay with him attending church and that, at that point. He journeyed along for a couple of years after accepting Christ and then came to the re- realization that he wanted to be baptized, that God wanted him to be baptized. So he said, I'm getting baptized. He goes to the church, he gets baptized, he comes home, he walks up to the door, and his bags are outside of the house. At that point, when he identified with that community, when he said, that's my family, that, that's the family, his family said, you are no longer part of us. It's an unfortunate reality that that, that family did it, but he has this assurance that he is part of that family from now on. He's part of that community from that point going forward. The assurance that we have here goes even deeper. When we talk about the idea, it says that the, the, uh, we, the, the Holy Spirit testifies on our behalf. The idea of testify here is actually the idea of talking about a, a martyr. And the reality of what it is that when someone is a martyr, that they're actually saying, like, I'm willing, I so believe in this, I'm, I'm testifying that I believe in God so much that I'm willing to give my life for him. That the Holy Spirit is testifying on our behalf to that extent. It's coming and saying, I, I, without a doubt, I'm going to make sure that you know that you are loved, that you are my son, you are my daughter. You never have to worry about this ever, ever again. It testifies in the immediate presence of God about our loves. It seals it, confirms it. It helps us experience God. It helps us delight in being a child of God. So quickly, as time goes on, let me just kind of ask some questions about you, some applications, some things you can think about maybe to help you navigate this for you, for your life, as to what this means for you today. Number one, what does this mean for you and how you view yourself? Your view of yourself today, what is the reality of your adoption, the reality of your sealed place in God's family? What does that mean for you today? What does the love that God has for you mean for you today? 
Number two, uh, what would you do or what will you do now to help others realize this? Can you think, is God prompting and putting on your hearts, and is he going to in the days to come, of other people who don't know their value, who are struggling with that, who need to understand and feel and live and just in the love of God, to be reassured as to what that means for them? You know, this can come away in all different ways. I love hearing the stories about what that guys are doing in your communities and barbecues and stuff like that. As I said, we do a lot of food for learning programs, and so we, we help a lot of kids who uh, don't eat a lot of meals. This one specific kid, uh, he's in grade six, and um, he can be a bit of a pain. And so uh, this is where sometimes my view, God, God needs to like kind of smack me in the face and say, Mark, wake up, because your view of some of these things are stopping your, your view on what I have for you. And so this kid, we'd come up and we'd walk around and I'd give him some food and every time he'd, he'd hassle me, Mark, give me more. Like, and I'm just like, you're a great six boy, of course you want more food. You would eat as much food as I could ever give you. And so that's what I'm thinking in my head. Uh, and so I'm like, yeah, yeah, if I have seconds, I'll bring it back and I, go, and I move on from there. And as I walk away the one day, after he asked for that, the teacher just taps me on the shoulder and she says, Mark, like, he came with one thing in his lunch today. It was a sandwich. And the bread was covered in mold. So if you have seconds, he really, really could use it. Two weeks later, uh, feed him again. And again, he says to me, pretty much every time he says, he says, Mark, you know, uh, if, can I have some more? Can you just put some more on top of that? Do you have seconds? And then he looks at the guy that, uh, that we're serving with and he says, this is Tuesday. He says, my mom told me today uh, that we won't have any food and can't buy anymore until the earliest Saturday when, my check, when the check comes in. So this might be the only meal I have unless you come another day to the school and give me a meal between now and Saturday. See, God wants us to play this out. That kid needs to know his value. That kid needs to know the love that God has for him. And sometimes that comes in spiritual ways where we're speaking into them and asking, answering questions that they have. And sometimes that comes in just feeding them. Sometimes that comes in having a coffee with them. Whatever that looks like, God is laying opportunities in your path this week, I guarantee it, to help you speak this truth in the lives of people. Who is that this week? And then my last question, what do you need to be free from today? What is it in your life that you need to be free from? Is it your view of yourself? Is it some sort of lack of forgiveness? Is it something, sin in your life that's, that's holding you down? Is it the fact that you've never, ever truly realized that you can have this and you need, to be, you need to be free for the first time and say, wow, this is unbelievable. It's unbelievable that God loves me this much that I, that I can have this. But we, as human beings, we as Christians in today's society are, are, are living shackled. We're slaves, like it says in this. Or, or, or we have this weight on our backs that we're carrying around and God looks at you and says, I want you to be free from that. I want to take it away from you. I love you. Let me, let me carry that for, for you. 
What is it that you need to be free from today? Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that we can be called your son, that we can be called your daughter. What an amazing thought. The God that created this world. The God that was and is and forever will be. Loves us. That has chosen us, specifically picked us and said, I want you to be my son and my daughter. You are my child. And so, Lord, as we continue this morning, I just, I just pray. Um, God, there is uh, hurt in this place. God, there, there is uh, mental illness. God, there's, there's things that are holding us back that we need to be free from. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning we would give that to you and you would, you would free us. You would help us. But Lord, also, um, we have the amazing opportunity to be your ambassadors. To go into this world and help people understand and realize these things. And so, I pray for uh, specific appointments for each one of us this week. Where you're going to lay people in our path. And that at those moments, God, I pray you'd give us the courage and the wisdom and the obedience to step in. And God, help them to realize that they are loved, that they are valued. God, that they can be your sons and your daughters and what that means for them. And the Lord, then as you do that, that you would work, that your Holy Spirit, as it works in our lives, would work in their lives as well. And we pray, amen.